Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. I'm Mark Green from the Cars Yeah! podcast. And I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market. This is show number 21. Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the sports car market podcast. Market experts and car friends for over 30 years, Keith Martin and Mark Green have come together through their mutual love for collector cars. Keith and Mark will take you on a ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so that you know when to make your own decisions to buy, sell, or hold. Buy, Sell, Hold is all about the essence of collecting. The collector car world is comprised of people who buy, sell, and hold cars that they love. And here on Buy, Sell, Hold, Keith and I talk with industry leaders, collectors, auction houses, consigners, sellers, and experts who know a lot about the automotive market. So, Keith, which expert are we talking with today? man who's my very good friend, uh, Carl Bomstead. He's a contributing editor with Sports Car Market, uh, been writing for us every issue for over 25 years, and he is our specialist for automobilia. Absolutely. Well, take it away, Keith. So, Carl, welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, and let's jump right in. If you could describe the collector car market today using just one word, what would that word be and why? I think that word would be squishy. <laughs> there, there's a new one for you. <laughs> First time here on Buy Sold. <laughs> yeah, I would no. I'd say it's squishy because there's really no firm footing. I mean, the only thing that seems to be only real consistency we see in pricing seems to be with some of the supercars. You know, we can price a, a lot of Ferrari. We know what that's going to sell for, but a '57 Chevy. I mean, it can be all over the board right now. You see, like Corvettes, you see them somewhat declining, but then every now and then you'll see something go crazy. So it's um, you can't really say anything, you can't price anything with any consistency right now, at least in my opinion. Absolutely, yes. I know squishy is a term you haven't heard before <laughs> well, when it pertains to the car market. Yeah, is this a new technical term here on Vice Hold? I, I think you're right. It is. It is. A new technical term. Why do you think that is, Carl? Well, I think like we're in very, very uh, unpredictable times right now. I mean, the um, I think things were kind of trending the wrong way, and then the then the doggone virus hit, and that's just put everything in turmoil. And so we've been on hold for the last two months, and even more long than that. It feels like sometimes so squishy. Well, that's that's a new one. Well, we're gonna dive into some things here, but first, let me give you a proper introduction, Carl. Carl Bombstead is a contributing editor to sports car market and their automobilia specialists. I've been reading his his uh, stories in the magazine since uh, day one. You've been around a long time with them. He's judged at numerous events, including Amelia Island, Keels and Wheels, Boca Raton, and Audrain. He has also been a judge on the lawn at Pebble Beach Concord Elegance for the past 24 years. Carl is also a Classic Car Club of America master judge and served on the CCCA National Board for five years. In addition to collector cars, he has an impressive collection of automobilia, including signs, car mascots, and Gaston oil memorabilia. Carl retired from the computer industry and has been writing for car magazines for many years, including our friends at SCM Sports Car Market since 1997. I think that ages all of us. And uh, he's had an article in every issue since then. That's impressive. We'll be back in just a minute to talk more with Carl, but first a special offer from the team at Sports Car Market Magazine. So sit tight, hold on, we're going to be right back. I've been subscribing to Sports Car Market Magazine for decades, and it shows up like clockwork in my mailbox 
every month. But what about when I'm on the road? Did you know that digital subscriptions to Sports Car Market are just $2.50 a month when you sign up with the promo code DIGITAL50? That's less than a cup of coffee. You get 50% off regular price just for listening here to Buy, Sell, Hold. Plus, digital subscribers receive instant access to a year's worth of back issues and the exclusive Insider's Guide, including the 2020 Insider's Guide to the beautiful Amelia Island Concourse and all the spring auctions as well. No more boredom while sitting at the airport or on your flight. To get your Sports Car Market digital subscription at this discount, go to sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. Your order will automatically get you the 50% off. What a deal. Go and sign up today at sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. All right, we're back. So, Keith, uh, take it away with Buy, Sell, Hold with our good friend here, Carl. So, Carl, today we're going to talk with you about three vehicles in your life that have made a difference. A very special vehicle that you bought, one that you've sold, and one that you would never let go of. Let's start with the year, make and model of a vehicle that was very special to you on the buy side. Share with us the purchase process. Was it simple or complicated? And how long did you chase the car for? Well, the car, the car I would say would be a 1997 Intermechanica Italia. Now, a lot of people don't know what they are, but there's a guy named Frank Reasoner who was uh, destined to build all kinds of cars. I mean, he built an Apollo, he built the Omega, he built the Griffith, which was something with Holman and Moody, but he built about 400 Intermechanica Italias. 300 were Spiders and the rest were, of course, coupes. This all came about one one Thanksgiving where my good friend Gordon Amper and his wife Janet were at our house for Thanksgiving. And surprisingly enough, conversation turned to cars. And what would be the appropriate car for the um, to take on the Copper State 1000? So back and forth, and Gordon suggested in a mechanic, and I didn't know what the heck they were. But I did some research, and he called me a couple days ago, and there was said, hey, there's one right here in Scottsdale. You, know, you want me to go look at it? And I said, absolutely. So a couple of days later, he calls me back and said, hey, this car is absolutely fabulous. It's got all the front end of the taken care of. The, um, you know, it's, it's perfect. If you don't, the closer was, if you don't buy it, I'll buy it. So I call this guy who's, who's a little different, and I say, hey, my friend was there looking at the car, and I'm good, I'd like to buy it. He says, well, um, I've decided not to sell it. Oh, gosh. And I said, uh, excuse me? And he said, yeah, I, I decided to keep it. And I said, well, the guy that was there looking at the car is fairly influential in the car business. And if you want to show your head anywhere in Arizona again, Uh-oh. I would suggest you give that a little thought. And so he um, just silenced for a little bit. And I didn't say a word. And finally, he said, well, when do you want to pick it up? <laughs> so I guess he... Uh, <laughs> that worked, but actually, the guy he ended up being, you know, we became good friends. In fact, he took care of the car for me. And uh, strangely enough, in Arizona, if you buy a car from a dealer, you have to pay sales tax. Mm. If you buy it from an individual, you don't. So I wanted to get the car registered in Arizona, and he um, took it through smog emissions there, which with that car took, he said it took about a dozen times through because he had to, it had a 289 Cobra high pro motor in it. And he had to detune it so much, so badly, it would hardly even move, but he finally got it through emissions and took it on a couple of copper states and several copper states. It was just an incredible car. I mean, it was wicked quick. Uh, ran with Colin Comer on that with the, with the Cobra boys one day. And my wife didn't like that as about 120, that car had a little bit of a front end lift. Yeah, and uh, most women don't don't appreciate that, and so uh, <laughs> I had to back out of that group. But that was a fabulous car, and 
comfortable and went on, went on one entire week trip in a copper estate and never put the top up. And if trailing with women, that's very unusual. But it was such designed such the wind flow just went right over. And even in a snowstorm up in the mountains, it was not a problem. That was an amazing car. Wow. So, Carl, did, did you have to dicker about the price at all on this car? No, I didn't. I didn't. Well, he had it, he had it advertised for one price. And then when I called him, he said, yeah, I wanted it was like five grand lower. So, um, score. Yeah. So that worked. No, but with Gordon's, with Gordon's uh, appraisal of the car and his going through it, no, I didn't dicker with it at all. I just said, Hey, I'll pay. And he said, no. Wow. You know, I'll tell you something interesting. The builder and designer of that car, his son is Henry. Reisner. And Henry's a good friend of mine. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Interesting story about that company. And I'll encourage uh, Buy, Sell, Hold listeners. You can find my interview with Henry on the Cars Yeah website. I've still got it there. You can listen to the story about Henry's father, where that company came from, how they evolved, and how they eventually became builders of replicas of Porsche Speedsters, uh, convertible D Roadsters. Yeah, even the club. They were in Vancouver, in Vancouver, uh, Canada, weren't they doing uh, doing the uh, 356s? And- yes, and they're still there today. In fact, what Henry's yeah. working on right now is he's actually building a car in China called the Solo, which is an individual one-seat electric commuter car for people that live in cities. And he's starting to convert all of his replica speedsters and convertible D roasters to electric cars. So they're putting electric power plants in those things uh, coming up here very soon. So I'm very familiar with the... In fact, Henry built for me a half of a speedster. Uh, Those listeners out there probably know about Cadillac Ranch outside of Amarillo and those cars, those Cadillacs. Well, I called Henry one day and I said, hey, I want you to build me a Speedster replica. And he goes, oh, finally, because I've done tours with Henry in Canada driving his cars. They're wonderful cars to drive. And I said, but I only need half a car and I don't need a power plant. And he said, (laughs) what? Well, for any of you who visit the Griot's Garage headquarters, uh, back when I was working at Griot's, I actually planted a Speedster coming out of the ground in the front of that building that Henry built for us. So there you go. So let me ask you one more question, Carl, about the Italia. I know you as a classic car guy. Have you ever owned a sports car like this before, like the Italia? Uh, I had had a, um, a 140 drophead and a couple other European uh, sports cars. The, the sports car experience was, was not a new thing. But, you know, you, you talk about Frank, you know, the Everything you read about the guy, he was a very cantankerous, very difficult man to get get along with. But I guess he was also very ill. But he would get the motor he could get from Ford. I mean, he had Cleveland's in some, he had 302s in some, and like in mine, I had the 289 High Pro. But yeah. he would take anything he could get from Ford. But he was so cantankerous, and such a is a difficult man to to deal with. There's a book that uh, Henry published about his dad and about the entire inner mechanic of business that you can go find online. And put I'll, In fact, I'll find it and I'll put a link to it on Carl's show notes page that you can find on Sports Car Market Magazine's website for this show. Uh, and you can learn about the history. He's a very fascinating guy. He was originally a tuner back in Italy where he started. He would try to find ways to make little Fiat 500s go faster. And that's how he started and the business evolved. Now, there's also another book on the inner mechanic. It's called The Story of the Prancing Bull. Yeah. Yes. Written by Andrew, Andrew McCready. Yep. 
which goes through the whole history. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, let's talk about the next part of uh, buy, sell, hold here. That's a significant vehicle, vehicle, Carl, that you've owned that you've let go. What was that vehicle? Why did you let it go? And uh, was that an easy or complicated transition? And looking back, are you sorry that you let it go? So, Well, I guess to answer your first question, first, I'm sorry that I've ever sold anything. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry I've ever sold a car. I'm sorry I've ever sold any signs, any member of but you know, I um, I can't have everything. I knew I've always realized I could never have a fifty-car collection, but I could have fifty cars one at a time. But <laughs> the car, the car that I sold, you know, when I put it here is the same car as the inner mechanic could tell you. And the reason I, the reason I sold it was Gordon was a very very close friend, and you know, I spoke with him almost daily for years. And then when he passed away, I just I, I looked at the car and I didn't go in the copper state any longer. And I looked at the car and I just was kind of a, you know, it was, it was a sentimental thing. And then yeah. a friend of mine, a friend of mine in Los Angeles, a dealer said, you know, Hey, I've got somebody that's dying to have that car. And it was, um, so we went back and forth and the number was, you know, almost triple what I had paid for it. Nice. So I, I let it, I let it go. And I, I truly wish I hadn't, but yeah. like I say, I can't, I can't have everything. And that's, um, I've always got a feel if you don't use something, if you, it's just taking up space and you could do something else with the money. And so I did let it go. Carl, what did you do with the money? I don't know. <laughs> probably, 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 you know, as, as they say, probably, you know, probably, probably drugs and booze and I wasted the rest. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you had an opportunity to get that car back, would you? Absolutely. Yeah. But unfortunately, it would still, it would be at a, um, Somebody told me they were close to 200 now, and I. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. so it's uh, from where they were, and you know, one time, Keith, you had the largest. You had an Intermechanica Owners Club that was the largest in the country. You had three writers that had Intermechanicas. <laughs> I know it's incredible. Dave Kinney had one. I had one, and I can't remember who was who the third was. Hmm. But but you had an Intermechanica Drivers Club right right in your midst. <laughs> right, we we could have started a new magazine, the Intermechanica Market Letter. Well, I think yeah, so. Was, yeah, with, 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 with eight readers, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. When Henry invited me to come up to Canada a couple times, we had probably 25 cars up there. Uh, even people from Japan came over, and Henry was nice enough to loan me one. My wife and I rode in it. I went and did another one where my son and I rode. He let my son drive one uh, up in the mountains there outside of Whistler. Uh, wonderful cars that they build. Really nice quality. And, of course, as Keith, you always have, you know, this, these words just melt in my brain. Fakey-do. Do you, do you use that term anymore? Fakey-do? Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. That's what oh, I, yeah. I, I use it every now and then, yeah. Yeah. It's usually for, for uh, TV stars that we see. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, had a, a, a full-body restoration. Yeah, exactly. That have been aug. That have been augmented. Augmented and, and, and accessorized, absolutely. <clears throat> so, so yeah. Carl, we, we've done the buy, we've done the sell. Let's talk about the hold now, the vehicle that you'll never <clears throat> let go of. How did you find it, or how did it find you? And tell us about it. Well, it must have been 20 years ago. A friend of mine had a 47 Cadillac convertible, and I absolutely loved the car. And he was going to trade the car to Tommy Crook. And I had a 36 Packard that I was kind of getting tired of. So ended up working a essentially trade um, a straight trade with Tommy kind of in the middle. So that was no money really changed hands. So the Packard that I was 
I'd had fun with, but now I have something that I absolutely fell in love with. And I've absolutely, the car's amazing. It's got the, um, the V8 motor was the same, the flathead V8 was the same motor it was in the uh, Sherman tank. Really? So I mean, it's just reliable as can be. The, yeah, they had two of them in tandem and they, uh, bulletproof. I like the styling. It's comfortable. It always starts. And I can leave that car sitting for a month, go out and actually look at it and it starts up and away you go. Wow. I don't see any reason to ever let it go. It's been on several um, classic car club caravans, but one we drove from Seattle to um, to Sacramento to start the caravan and then went on a thousand mile caravan and then drove back. It was just a fabulous car. Do you remember the very first time you drove it and what your reaction was? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, um, it doesn't have the feel of a 30s Packard. It is much more luxurious. I mean, the seating is much more comfortable. The steering is much more modern, which, you know, you don't have the really true old car feel, but you have, um, you know, the modern convenience, the modern comfort. Get in and go. No worry about it starting. Comfortable, attractive car. Is there a number at which you would part with that car? Well, if you want to get crazy, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's always a crazy number, but um, probably I would say based on the condition it's in it's not a hundred point car it's not a show car but i would say it's you know right now the market value on it's probably seventy thousand, so it's not a big deal no if you wanted to offer me a hundred keith you could own it but now do i have to take stock do i have to take stock in the magazine or is this cash uh, you'd have to take a lot of stock <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> oh jeez! Well, you know, there's always a number for everything, and I think that's a—it's uh, a tough question to ask sometimes because there's an emotional ploy there. But there is always a number for something for sure. But I'm sure glad you've been able to enjoy that car and take care of it. We're going to be back oh. and talk about the all-around perfect car with you, Carl. And Keith's going to lead the way. But first, we're going to take another short break. We have another special offer from our team at Sports Car Market Magazine. So sit tight, and we will be right back. Here's another buy, sell, hold special offer. Do you love knowing what the collector car market has done when it comes to values? Of course you do. The Sports Car Market Platinum Auction Database puts 31 years of auction results right at your fingertips on your mobile device or your computer, no matter where in the world you are. With nearly 300,000 records, that's right, 300,000, it has the information you need to make an informed decision on that oh-so-important classic or vintage vehicle purchase. You'll receive all this for a mere $5.50 a month. That's less than the cost of a sandwich. As a Buy, Sell, Hold podcast listener, use the code PLAT50, that's right, P-L-A-T-50, to get this special discount. Just go to sportscarmarket.com slash platinum50 and the cart will automatically discount your order. Plus, platinum subscribers also receive access to the full library of back issues of Keith Martin's Insider's Guides, a valuable resource for anyone in the market for collector vehicles. That's sportscarmarket.com slash platinum50. Get your discount today. So, Carl, we're back. What would be your perfect all-around collector car, not the most expensive, not the most rare, not the most unique, but the car that you think you would go out to and it would bring a big smile to your face every time you looked at it and you could do almost anything with it and have a heck of a great time. What car would that be? Well, my answer today is different than what I would have told you a year ago because I was had the good fortune of being invited to go on the 300SL Classic Tour that took place in um, started in Moab, Utah, and ended down through the national parks and 
of I was the guest of a John Willett, who was the president of the club, and his 300 SL Gullwing he had had inherited from his father, who had bought it in the um, in the 60s. I mean, just I had never driven a 300 SL at any length of for any length of time. I'd never driven it at speed. Of course, driving it through the most beautiful country, if not the world, you know, it was just a little added plus to it. But the feeling of that car with a with a the three liter supercharged motor, but at 80 miles an hour, he says hit it, and you're you know you're at 110 before you can turn around. It's just a fabulous handling car. The only problem I had is I had my knee replaced, and so I didn't have quite the flexibility. So getting in as a passenger was a little difficult, but. Uh, it had air, which we didn't need then because we're in the winter and it was chilly. But uh, I guess they get quite uncomfortable in the summertime, so that air would help. No, I just I, everything's there: the styling, the performance. It's just um, it would be absolutely my ideal car. John let me drive the car more than half the time on the tour, so it was I had you know 600 miles behind the wheel, and it was just fabulous. I had, I had a whole different respect, a whole different feeling, and a whole different respect for the car. So if I had uh, if somehow I ended up with an extra million dollars somewhere, that would be the car. Well, you know, you should ask your employer, that publisher, that big-time publisher, for a raise, perhaps. Oh, maybe, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I tried Carl, to. Carl, how about for your 30-year bonus? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will, will that be the same as my 20-year bonus? <laughs> uh, it's a, it, yeah, close. Close. Adjusted for inflation. Close. And, and then my, my 22-year watch, that was the most gorgeous. Oh, yeah, where is that? Where is that now? Uh, Timex. Keeps on ticking and takes a licking. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I took a licking all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Keith, I think you want to ask Carl a little bit about, and I know, Carl, you don't have a business like some of our guests have been on the show, but Keith, why don't you ask him uh, the question about what's going on now in the market might influence his process of thinking about buying cars. So I'll let you take that one. Well, or, or let's let's uh, let's add automobilia, Carl, because you really follow it so closely. Ah. Let's let's take the big picture first. Over the past ten years, what has been the greatest change in the automobilia market? Well, I would say pricing for porcelain signs. Well, I would say that's even in the last five years. I mean, you're seeing there have been porcelain signs that have sold in the last couple of years for a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. And you could have bought that, you know, and 10 years ago, those were signs that you could have, you know, a couple thousand dollars. But it's a large, bold graphic signs that are in excellent condition are just bringing incredible amounts of money. And they're from relatively newer collectors. If you have a car barn, you have your car building, I and mean, they just, they finish the building. So they're just an added touch. And the, um, it's kind of like where the car market was, you know, 10 years ago. You really couldn't go, you couldn't pay too much. You just bought too early. And that's kind of the way the porcelain sign market is right now. Sounds a bit like the art market almost. If you look at the fine art market, yeah. it's just crazy sometimes. Well, no, that, that, that's good. No, that's, you know, Mark, that, that's a good analogy. Although um, fine art market's having a few difficulties right now. But the way it was in the last, up, up until six months ago, yeah. You know, that's a good, that's a good analogy. The quality porcelain signs, I mean, with, with, especially if they're die cut, that is where they're unusual shapes, multiple colors, good condition. But the problem right now with a sign market where the, or a newcomer or a novice is getting, there are so many fakes out there around. You look on eBay and most of the porcelain signs there are coming out of India and they're, you know, they were made yesterday. The descriptions are totally inaccurate and they're totally bogus and, you know, I don't want to get us in too much trouble, but eBay is doing nothing to police that. 
mm. which is which which has brought the, which has led to the rise of other venues that have been selling you know that are doing well selling things. Bring a trailer, Facebook. There's a number of areas now where where the the market for this has gone from eBay to elsewhere. How does somebody protect themselves from that? You have to ask because if you look at the pictures on eBay, they're they're gorgeous. But in many cases, unless you have experience and can look at the sign and know and you know realize see the differences, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to know. The ones from India, the other fakes, are there. The font is computer generated, and so if you're you can just see the little bit of the haziness, they're misplaced slightly. Yeah. No, you have to know. So what would you know if you were going to buy a sign, Mark, and you said, well, is this real or not? You know, I'd put you in touch with some people up there in the Northwest and have them look at it with you. There you go. No, you, you, need, you need to get some assistance or else you're going to get stung and you can get stung for a lot of money. And then you're going to be kind of, you become sour, really, <laughs> sour on the whole. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Well, yeah. If you've lost several thousand dollars and your buddy comes over and says, hey, Mark, why'd you buy that fake sign? You go, huh? You're right. Yeah. That happened to me with a license plate frame once that I thought I was br- buying a uh, Porsche license plate frame from a dealer down in Southern California. The guy said it was real. I didn't know. I trusted him and I had it for a long time. And then somebody at a car event said, uh, where'd you buy that? We started talking. He took it off my car and looked at the back and he said, this is fake and pointed out some things that I didn't know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was swindled. You know, it's frustrating. But hey, but we, but we've, it's happened to all of us. I mean, I don't care how experienced you are in this. You're, you're going to get, uh, as you say, swindled somewhere along the line. It all just happens. So find your next expert. It's really, I mean, collectors have this thing. They want to, oh, wow, look at this. I haven't seen that before. I got to grab that before Mark gets it. And so you kind of, <laughs> the logic kind of goes away. It's yes. kind of like buying a car at auction when you know you shouldn't be doing it, but uh, you've had a drink or two and you raise your hand on the wrong car without looking at it. So, Carl, do you think that this these quarter million dollar prices are sustainable or just a blip? I think at that level they're not sustainable because that's just a couple guys with a whole lot of money. But I think you're um, at half that it is sustainable. At a buck and a quarter. I think hundred thousand dollar porcelain signs, you know, for the few that are worth you know, that are in that ball. Yeah, I think that is sustainable. The owler, the guy that the guy that has too much money and spends a quarter of a million, no, that's not going to work. Yeah. Wow. You know, for our for our listeners that would like to see what Carl has written, uh, more than twenty years of his columns are digitized and if you're a subscriber to sports car market you have access to all of those back issues so i would suggest sign up and then you can go back and look at 10 and 15 years ago at what what carl was writing about and see how the prices have changed over time and and the interest and the interest in things has changed definitely yeah like like hood or mascots there's there's been those are not nearly as desirable as they were 10 years ago why do you think that is, Carl? It's just there's an ebb and flow like there is in cars. I mean, there's one day Porsches are of interest, and then maybe um, they kind of wane a bit in Corvettes, and then that, it just there's an ebb and flow. Where do you think the uh, automobilia market is going in the next five to ten years with this rapid change in market of us older guys getting older and these younger people coming into the car industry that are more into 80s, 90s type cars. Uh, where do you see the market for automobile? You, do you think it will stay strong and people will still be interested in it? It used to be I would go to a meet or a swap meet or whatever, and there were, I would know virtually everybody there. I went to an event um, two weekends ago, and there must have been 200 people there, no social distancing, but uh, I knew maybe 10%. 
and most of the people were younger. I mean, everybody's younger than I am, but most of the people were in their, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s. So there's really a resurgency of, of younger people being interested in this. Oh, that's good. That's nice so I, I, I really think the, the future for it is very strong. I think um, 10 years from now, it'll be even stronger. There you go. Which is good because then my wife will have some place to dump all this junk that I've acquired <laughs> over the last 50 years, 30 years. Just have her call me, Carl. I'll take care of her. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. He told me that sign was that's only worth 10 good deal. bucks. That's a fake Indian sign. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. And, of course, you'll be fair. I know that. I will always be fair with anyone that you yeah. know, Carl. I promise you that for sure. <laughs> hey, Keith, do you have any other Just questions? To- uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carl. Just don't let Glenn Mugger come down and, and look at that stuff. He, you, you won't be fair then. Well, Glenn, yeah. We'll uh, we'll talk about oh, yeah. Glenn and, and a shout out to Glenn uh, as well. We all know him. Uh, he lives just a little bit north of me here, so he's got quite a right. car. Right, he's just a bit well. there on Bainbridge, yeah. Yep, just up well, the so road. I've, I've got a, a quick story to tell in closing here, and that's how Carl came to be part of Sports Car Market. He was writing for another magazine at that time, and I would read his columns, and i go, damn, this is the best thing in this magazine. I, I really like how he writes. And so I called Carl up. And I I said, Carl, do you think you could write for us as well? And he said, well, since the guys I'm writing for haven't paid me in three years, uh, could you do better than that? (laughs) And I said, well, yeah, we'll we'll pay you once every two years. How's that? Yeah. Carl said, I'm in. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) I remember that conversation, Carl. Actually, actually, Keith didn't pay as much, but at least he paid. (laughs) There you go. There you go. I'm just saying, Carl, that's the drip theory of payment. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. That's true. I understand that. <laughs> it's kept him I around. I understand that. It's kept him around for a while. Well, Carl, we knew that this would be a fun conversation today, and I really appreciate you calling in. You know, Keith and I are up here in the Northwest where it's rainy and drizzly, and you're down there in the, the nice, sunny, warm desert. So send a little warmth up our way, if you would. It's all, you know, it's uh, over 100, so it's almost too warm. It's a little early for that kind of temperature. But, uh, yeah, I'll gladly send you 15 degrees or 20 degrees of this heat. Yeah, no, we wouldn't do well up here with 100 degrees in the northwest. But, yeah, I'll take 10 uh, today yeah. in a little sunshine. Yeah. It would be nice. Well, we want to thank you for sharing your insights and your knowledge with us today. You're always a, a real treasure trove of fun to talk with. And if we uh, ask you this question before we let you go, is there one little parting piece of Wisdom or guidance you might give our listeners today about buying, selling, and holding either collector cars or automobilia, what would that word of wisdom be? Well, I think it, I think it applies to both areas. You know, buy what you love, buy what you're excited about. You know, if you're buying it because you because you think you can turn around and sell it and make a buck, that's for the wrong reason. Buy it because you love it. Buy it because you want to be involved with the people that have similar interests, and it'll just make it the value of it just is enhanced. If you buy it just because you think you can make a buck and you don't, you'll end up hating it. Plus, you're not you're missing the whole point of the whole thing. It's the people that make this all exciting and fun. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find everything Carl has shared with us today on his show notes page on sportscarmarket.com slash podcast, or you can find it on my website, carsyeah.com. Uh, just search by Carl Bombstead, and you'll find his name right there. Carl, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing some fun with us today. This has been great. I really appreciate it. You're absolutely more than welcome. Been fun. Good talking to both of you. Thank you, Carl. You take care. We hope you have shed some light today on the collector car market. You can listen to all the Buy, Sell, Hold podcasts at sportscarmarket.com and carsyeah.com. You'll find hundreds of inspiring automotive enthusiasts on the Cars Yeah website as well. 
Be sure to log into sportscarmarket.com and subscribe to Keith's SCM Weekly Newsletter. You'll find digital issues, insider event guides, and price guides, along with our platinum database, column profiles, classifieds, and many other resources. Join Keith and Mark next week to hear from another automotive industry leader who will help you determine when to buy, sell, or hold.